0: Okay, I need your help this morning. So one of the things that's kind of a deal on the internet these days, on Reddit and other places, is like uh, the celebrity wedding crasher. I mean, if, if you're having an event and at the resort, at the venue... Uh, a-lister shows up and then the bride and groom taking a picture and then posting that right on their social uh, network so I need your help this is going to be pretty easy for the most part I do have one kind of surprise in here but just shout the names out when you see uh, the celebrity let's put the first picture of a celebrity wedding crasher who is this yes this is Adam Sandler Uh, how about the next one y'all know who this is right Everybody loves Tom Hanks. That's Tom Hanks. That would be cool. You would definitely want to put that picture up if he crashed your wedding. The next one, this is for the ladies. Little eye candy for the ladies this morning. Brad Pitt. How about this gentleman? Snoop Dogg! I knew First Service would nail this. Lots of Snoop Dogg fans at First Service here at Preston Crest. Um, How about this one? This was a little harder, but still pretty easy. Yeah, John Travolta. And now this guy showing up at your wedding, President Obama. And then we are fair and balanced at Preston Crest. So the next one, okay, we got the Donald. And um, yeah, no comment, no further comment. We'll just move on. Now this one, you get this next one, free communion for a year at Preston Crest. Anybody know who this is? Do we have any Canadians here this morning? No Canadians. This is former Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper. I didn't know who it was. I didn't figure you would know who it is. Kind of makes me a little sad. Our neighbors in the north, we don't recognize there because he was Prime Minister for quite some time before the handsome Justin Trudeau. Uh, But these are examples of folks that were not invited, showed up. And it appears the bride and groom were okay with it. I think it's kind of created a memory for them uh, from their wedding. But in John chapter 2, Jesus shows up at a wedding. Now, he is not crashing the wedding. He was on the list. He was invited to this wedding. But it really didn't get that much attention. He wasn't famous yet. He wasn't a celebrity yet. Nobody was wanting to get a selfie with Jesus yet, but he shows up at this wedding, and he even performed a miracle, right? Even performed a miracle, but most, even after the miracle, because it was kind of a, a, a kitchen in a hotel sort of miracle, kind of away from everything. So even after the miracle, most people were unaware of his presence or certainly who he was, Now, before this miracle at this wedding in Cana, Jesus, the end of John chapter 1, is calling his very first disciples, right? calling his very first disciples. He finds this guy named Andrew. He and his brother, his family, they were, they were fishermen. He calls Andrew to follow him. Andrew comes and Andrew uh, then reaches out to his brother Peter and they begin to follow Jesus. And then he goes to Philip and invites Philip. And Philip starts following Jesus. Philip tells uh, Nathaniel about Jesus, tells him about Jesus and Nathaniel, I love the honesty. Nathaniel's like, Hang on. You guys are following a guy from Nazareth. Seriously, nothing good has ever come out of Nazareth. No thanks. And then he meets Jesus, right? Nathanael meets Jesus, and it's interesting how things change because Jesus walks up to Nathanael and says, Ah, here he is. This is a true Israelite. This is a man in whom there is no guile. Nathanael, you are the best. And Nathanael's like... Do I know you? And Jesus is like, well, I saw you sleeping under the fig tree. And Nathanael knows nobody saw him sleeping under the, He was all alone taking a nap. And, and so this must be some sort of prophet. This must be somebody with a gift from God. And so all of a sudden, Nathanael is super impressed. Wow. And Jesus, I love his response. At the end of John chapter 1, he's like, okay, you're impressed by that? hang on, you better take your heart medication because you're going to see things that are going to blow that miracle out of the water. All right, so next stop, Cana in Galilee, about 16 miles from Capernaum, about 8 miles from Nazareth. So the same kind of Galilean region where Jesus does a lot of his ministry. And so they head off to the wedding. Mary comes with them. Remember, very small group. This is Jesus before he is famous. You could fit this whole group in your Chevy Tahoe. Not a large group headed off to the wedding. Uh, So here's the text, John chapter 2, starting in the first verse. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, There is no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons big jars. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. He then told them, now draw some out. Take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. This is the first of his miraculous signs Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and the disciples put their faith in him. All right, a couple of notes here real quick, though. A couple of notes. John's gospel, you may know this already, it's a little bit Different. It is a peculiar gospel. It is a unique gospel uh, for several reasons. Um, One of them is that John is not going to call his miracles miracles. He's going to use a different word in his gospel. He's going to use the word signs. Okay? Even more unique, the other gospel writers will tell us about a lot of different miracles. They don't all have the exact same set, but they tell about a lot of miracles or signs. John has exactly seven. John is going to share with us seven of the miracles of Jesus, and he is the only writer who is going to record this particular miracle, the water being turned into wine. Uh, John makes no claim to produce a thorough biography of the life and times of Jesus John will tell us in his gospel, I am going to leave some stuff out. I am going to be selective. In fact, John chapter 20, verses 30 to 31, this is what John writes in his gospel. He said, the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this gospel, in this book. But these, these seven, these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, more importantly, that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. So he's very honest. John is like, I'm writing this book. I'm going to choose to leave some stuff out, a lot of stuff. I'm going to choose to include certain things because I am writing this with a very clear purpose for you. I want you to believe in the name of Jesus and to continue to believe. I want you to find life in Jesus Christ, okay? That's why I'm writing the Gospel of John, he tells us. Now, the seven miracles that he chooses to publish, he calls signs. We've talked about this before. A sign is, is an interesting word for us, right? Because the sign is never a main attraction. You don't you don't. St- you don't lodge at the sign. You don't pull up to the sign and shoot all your pictures and go home. I mean, you don't load the kids up and go go over to Six Flags. Kids, we're going to Six Flags. And you get over there to, to Six Flags Road or whatever that street is called over there, Six Flags Avenue or something. And you don't, like, pull up the car. Let's get out. Let's take pictures by the sign. Road to Six Flags. Okay, we're done. Get in the car. We're going home. You don't do that. Your kids would be Disappointed. I mean they did not put on the sunblock because they wanted to take their picture by the sign. A sign points to something else. A sign gives you information. A sign sends you somewhere, and in this case, these signs are supposed to send us to Jesus. They are pointing to Jesus. They may dazzle. They may get our attention. They may captivate us, but the signs are not important compared to where they are taking us, who they are pointing to. You are not going to camp out at the sign. You are not going to hang out there. Miracles, John says, are like that. Don't hang out at the miracles. Read about them. Put faith in Jesus because of them. Now, if they do what they're supposed to do, if they increase your faith in Jesus, if they draw you into the life of, That Jesus has for you, then they are doing exactly what they are supposed to do. And that is what I need, and that is what you need. More faith in Jesus. More life in Jesus. Which is why, over the next seven weeks, we're going to look at the seven signs from the book of John. So anyway, Jesus and his new small group of disciples head off toward this wedding in Cana. Now a wedding feast like this one was a massive social occasion. You know, we have lives, we're blessed with lives where we get to spend a lot of time thinking about where we're going to go, what we're going to do, what we're going to do for fun, whatever, you know. Uh, They did not have Netflix. They did not have Stonebriar Mall. They did not have a a club scene in first century Galilee. You couldn't catch an Uber to go over here or there. I mean, so a wedding feast was a big, big deal, and you wanted to get an invitation, And you would spend days at this wedding feast. And and you would get to see old friends and catch up. You would get to eat and drink on someone else's dime. You would dance. You would have a good time. The ceremony was part of it. But the reception, you know, we have receptions now that may last an hour, two, four hours. No, this reception is lasting days. And you wanted to be on the list and get an invitation because this was the social thing. I mean, this was the, the you would circle this on the calendar. We're going to make sure we don't plan anything else. We've got to be in Cana for this wedding. All right? Now, at this one, disaster struck. Okay, this is a category five social disaster. The wine ran out. Right? Think about Thanksgiving, everybody gathers together, and Aunt Susie, she burned the turkey. There will be no turkey. Super Bowl party, everybody's there, it's gonna be great. No one thought about guacamole. I mean, yeah, big stuff, right? I mean, huge stuff. Um, At this kind of deal, the wine running out means, I mean, the party comes to a screeching halt, People maybe even are starting to kind of head toward the door. I mean, uh, it looks like this thing is winding down now. It was not good. Now, we're not told why the wine ran out. I, I'm just kind of thinking, what, what would I have been thinking? What would people have been thinking when they find out the wine is gone? Uh, is the host a cheapskate? Didn't buy enough. Tried to get by with too little. Did the folks in the k- kitchen forget to water it down? I mean, you're supposed to pour water in there so that it lasts throughout the feast. Um, did they? Did were there wedding crashers? I mean, we didn't expect these third cousins from you know Bethsaida to show up. And I mean, we don't know exactly what happened, but they ran out of wine, and no wine means no party. So this whole thing comes to a screeching halt. Now, for the record. I think probably most people in here have been in a wedding or been to a wedding. Stuff goes wrong at weddings. I mean, it almost always goes wrong. It's almost inevitable. Something is going to happen. You plan that beautiful affair uh, beside White Rock Lake. Thunderstorm, right? Um, uh, The bride... Faints. Uh, the groom passes out. The five hundred dollar wedding cake uh, topples over three hours before the ceremony. The flower girl does who knows what. I mean, you know this, and this is stuff I've seen at weddings that I personally and you've seen your own stuff too. Hiccups at weddings are normal. This one has a pretty big hiccup when the wine runs out. Now, I get it. We know what's going to happen. We know Jesus is going to do this miracle and save the day. But here's what's easy to miss. The miracle, the sign, never happens if Jesus isn't invited to this wedding ceremony, to this wedding party, right? So I got a question for you. It's on your outline this morning. I think it's a, it's, it's a question that is easy to understate. We need to take this very seriously. Here goes, is Jesus invited into your life? into your circumstances, into your situation. Is Jesus on your guest list? Because we have this little phrase here in verse 2, Jesus and his disciples, they had been invited. Is Jesus welcome in your life? We welcome a lot of things into our lives. People welcome anxiety and stress and fear and hostility into their lives. And then they wonder, why do I have no peace? Why am I so unhappy? Look, this is not a huge news flash here. I think we know this to be true. When you invite something into your life, then you get to live with it, right? You get to live with the things you invite into your life. I remember, this is years ago, you don't know this person, I promise, but I was doing some counseling with a bride, Uh, well, actually, she was getting ready to get married, and so we're meeting, and we're talking through different things in her life, and one thing I couldn't help but notice is, whenever she talked about this fiancé, this Prince Charming, she would talk about how he made her feel, and he did not make her feel good, with what he did, with what he said. He was making her feel worthless. He made her feel terrible. So part of my counseling was, hey, how about we delay this wedding? Oh, no, we've sent the invitations. I'm like, invitations, invitations, you know? $200, that's not a big deal. Maybe we need to delay this. and <laughs> Maybe you need to think a little bit more. Maybe you guys need to put some thought into whether this is a good idea or not. She, of course, ignored me because the invitations were out. She married the guy, and she was miserable. Whatever or whoever you invite into your life, you get to live with them. You get to live with them. Now, we don't know the names here of the, husband, of the bride and the groom. We don't know their names. We don't have a lot of details about who they were, but we know they were wise enough to put Jesus on the guest list, right? I mean, they got that right. Now, Mary is aware of the situation with the wine, So she goes to her son, and she tells Jesus about it. It's not as bad as it sounds, okay? The Hebrew doesn't sound as bad as like, Woman, why do you bother me with it? You know, it's not quite like that, all right? But he does push back a little bit. He says, why do you, this is not my time. So the second question I want to ask you is this. Is Jesus involved? Okay, have you invited him? And is he involved in your life? Is he involved in your circumstances? He asks in verse 4, Dear woman, why do you involve me? So on that outline, you might circle the word on that first question, invited. And on this one, circle that word, involve. Have you invited Jesus? Are you involving Jesus? He still wants to stay in the background. He doesn't need or want the attention that would come from a big public miracle. All right? So this is going to be kind of a... Hotel kitchen, sort of miracle, kind of for a select group to see. And I love Mary here. I love Mary. She, he says, hey, mom, my time has not yet come. And she doesn't say anything else to him. She just turns to the servants, do whatever he says. I mean, she has a pretty good idea he can handle this okay do whatever he says and so this is the third question and it is a really really big question for us am i responsive to his instruction we are talking about obedience here when jesus tells me to do something do i do it verse five do whatever he tells you that is what jesus or what mary tells the servants so i would ask you this are you a fan or a follower of jesus jesus had a lot of fans, maybe not here in John 2, but as you follow the trajectory through the book of John, the crowds grow, the multitudes show up. He becomes a celebrity A-lister in Galilee. He does. He's got loads of fans, but it turns out he doesn't have that many actual followers. And in order to experience a miracle to see the power of God unleashed in your life, you got to have faith, right? And faith is not just up here in your head. Faith is a lifestyle of belief. It shows up in the way you live. I love that old, actually I don't necessarily, I love the words of this old song. We used to sing it every time at the church where I grew up when someone was baptized, trust and obey For there's no other way that is faith. It's trust its obedience in Harmony with that trust right? That's what faith is and that's where God starts doing things in your life That's where the miraculous begins to happen want a life of significance want a better marriage You want to become a better woman? You want to become a better man? Better person, do you want eternal life? Then, those words right there in John chapter 2: five words, do whatever he tells you. That's the secret. Now, our moms give some of the best advice. Mary, the mother of Jesus, gives perhaps the best advice in the history of advice. Do whatever he tells you. Whatever Jesus tells you to do, do that. And we have these servants who don't get nearly enough credit in John chapter 2. We don't have their names. We don't know much about them. But they are impressive people. Because these women and men, they hear this young rabbi tell them to fill up six stone jars with water. They do it. That's not the crazy part. Then he tells them, now, scoop some of that out. Take it and serve it to your boss, right? The master, the guy that hired you, the guy who's going to pay you. Scoop that out and go serve him. And they did that. They did exactly what Jesus told them to do. And check this out. As they walk in obedience to Jesus, the water changes into wine. As they trust and obey, the miracle happens, and the master took a sip, and wow. I'm not a fan of wine, but this stuff must have been great because the master, he like calls the groom over. He's like, hey, hey, buddy, impressive. Most people are are serving the cheap swill at this point in the wedding festival after people are on their fourth, fifth ladder or whatever, But you are bringing out the top shelf premium stuff. This is lit. This is great. And they do it. They serve it. But again, this is not a look at me sort of miracle. This is Jesus in the background performing a sign for a group of people he is teaching and mentoring and working with. The first, John tells us, the first of his signs. A sign of what? A sign, we heard this at communion this morning. Thank you, Rich. A sign of a Savior who came to serve. Not to be served. A sign of a Savior who can get involved, not just in the big stuff, but the mundane stuff. The hiccup at the wedding. The little stuff. We can bring those things to Him. And involve him in those things. Jesus, (laughs) I love this in the Gospel of John. He is the original transformer. He is. You go back, the previous chapter, John chapter 1. John tells us who Jesus is. Is and he is not just an A list celebrity wedding crasher. Listen to these words from John in that previous chapter. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was God. He was with God in the beginning through Jesus, through Him. All things were made without Him, nothing was made that has been made. Transforming water into wine, child's play easy for Jesus. He's not like, okay, go fill the stone water. He's not stressed out, like, is this going to work? Is this mirror? I practice this at home. I don't know. Is this going to work? He knows he's got this. He made the planets. He made our solar system. He created this world. Jesus has got this, He is the transformer. He is God. You see, at that wedding, it wasn't a celebrity that walked in. It was God wrapped in human flesh. God showed up. Man, God needs to show up in more marriages. Amen? (laughs) We need Him. Everything in the creative universe was made by His power. And this transformation of water into wine was a sign. For his disciples and for us John says this in verse 11 chapter 2 he says he thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him what about you have you put your faith in Jesus is it time for you to say yes to Jesus to follow the way of Nathaniel and Andrew and Philip and Peter and so many others. Is it time for you to accept Him as Lord of your life and allow Him to begin transforming you in harmony with the purposes of your Creator, your God? You can do that today. You can make that statement of faith being baptized into Jesus and wearing all that He won for you at Calvary. Maybe you are a disciple of, who has drifted a little bit from Jesus. Jesus gets invitations now, but only occasionally. He can show up on Sunday. Maybe he can show up uh, before 5 p.m., but after 5 p.m., he's not invited. Maybe you have drifted away, and it's time to invite Jesus back in 24-7 to your life. It's time to involve Jesus in the details of your life, and it's time to start following the instructions that Jesus gives you. As a disciple, as a follower, not a fan, not an admirer, maybe you just need prayers this morning. However you need to respond, let's stand together and respond in worship.